Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. Good morning, church. It's good to be with you all on this. Isn't the fall weather fantastic going on right now, right? Fall weather is just great. Um, I wanted to do a quick shout out, a quick thank you um, to everyone who helped out with our, our, the fair stand during the fair week between Liberty Chapel and ourselves. Nat Naz, the split that we took from, from that week, we brought in $8,500. Just our split after costs and everything. Yeah, yeah, we can applause that. So we want to thank you. Thank you for your help with that. And again, this is, it's so important to be involved in this ministry. So many of us are called to go, but some of us are not called to go. But for those of us who aren't called to go, we stay and we participate in activities of this nature so that we can support those who are going. Because those funds are helping our kids go to NYC next summer. Those funds are going towards the Dominican trip next summer. And those funds go to our ARO trips. We've got missions. We're living out missions. And it's weeks like that that help support what we're doing. So we're in this series, The Fundamentals, Disciplines That Change Lives, Disciplines That We Believe as Christians aren't simply things to do to check off a list, but things that in which we build into, live into, because through these disciplines, we discover what it is to be made more and more like Jesus Christ. So this is where we're at today. Last week, we discussed prayer. This week, we're going to be talking about what it is to find rest. And when I say rest, I'm not talking about the discipline of resting well. We're going to get to that later. But today we're going to talk about how we discover a deeper, greater rest that is available to us as Christians and the discipline that takes us there. You know, it's funny because talking about rest, as, as I was growing up and as we were entering our pre-teen and teenager stages, one of the things that we would do is we'd go over to a friend's house and we'd spend the night. And one of the things you quickly learn about spending the night at another guy's house with a whole bunch of other friends is that you never want to be the first guy to fall asleep. Because not good things happen to the first guy who falls asleep. I mean, things, it was one of those things to where uh, if you were the first guy to fall asleep or the second or the third, if, as long as you didn't fall asleep, you were safe. But a lot of the times, if, if you fell asleep, well, you'd wake up and you wouldn't realize it, but you'd have marker and pen just covering your face. In fact, one day I, I woke up and someone had put pudding in my hair and it had hardened and it, had, it was all crusty. And one of the things you realize is that you just don't fall asleep no matter the cost. No matter how tired you are, you don't go to sleep. You know, as, as humans, as humans, as Christians, we are called to a deeper sense of rest. But we also understand that the minute we want to rest in something other than our own control, it leaves us what we believe to be in a very vulnerable position because we, our flesh would tell us, hey, you don't know what's gonna happen. If you leave control, if you, if you walk away or if you do anything but, but stay right on top of these things in your life, you, you may end up with marker all over your face. 
But as Christians, we are called to experience a deeper rest, to, to overcome our fear of what might happen and to trust that, hey, maybe a rest in God is actually risk-free. But the thing is, is that we can't test this rest before we experience it. We have to have the faith to just go head first into sleeping, into resting into God before we actually experience it. You can't test the rest of God before you experience the rest of God. It requires us to go right in. But so many of us, we go throughout our days fighting for control. Because as Christians, We may have trusted God with our eternal salvation. We may say, yes, one day I will dwell with God in heaven. I have trusted that Jesus saved me from my sins, so therefore my eternity is secure. Great. That's awesome. But when it comes to our day-to-day lives, we say, no, 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 no. God has my salvation, my eternity. I have control over the day-to-day. And we refuse to let our day-to-day go. Our flesh keeps us thinking that if we... If we stop control over anything, then maybe something's going to happen to us. And it's quite easy to see. This fear that we live into, this fear of what might happen if we fall asleep, it's easy to see, even in my own life. Because each and every day when I decide to not spend time with God because I need something else to get done, is the minute that I was fearing what might happen if I spent time with God and this thing didn't get done. Every day that we make the decision, today is not the day because I need to get X, Y, and Z done. That is the day that we know we have chosen to not rest in God and to rest in our own control. Rest in our own control. Is that true in your life? I mean, how often are you spending time with God? How often are you choosing to rest in God? And if it isn't happening, then you have to ask yourself then, Do I actually trust God with my day to day? Or am I just that guy who says, yes, one day I'll spend eternity with him? Friends, today as Christians, we are called to experience something deeper. And we're gonna highlight this each and every week. This is what these spiritual disciplines are doing for us to experience something greater than what the world is experiencing. And if we are not, then we have to ask ourselves, are we actually placing our faith in God? And so today, we're going to be talking about what this rest is because this rest is the same rest that Adam and Eve were experiencing when they were in the Garden of Eden. It wasn't a rest because they had no work to do. In fact, they had some of the most significant work to do. But you see, it was a rest because their identities had already been determined. Their identities that gave them the greatest sense of purpose and fulfillment. Adam and Eve were not worried what might happen if they decided to do things on their own because they knew that God was still in control. He had determined their identities, their reputations, and the jobs they were to do. But then all of a sudden, sin entered in. And this sin forced them, it caused them to then all of a sudden doubt, well, wait a minute. Does God actually know everything that he told me? And when that sin entered in, they lost sight of their own purpose. They lost sight of their own identities that they had found in God. And they decided to run after their own control. And since then, since sin entered the world, we've all been at odds with resting in God. Fighting for our own control, fighting for our own identities, fighting for our own success and reputation. 
And so today we're gonna talk about what it is to discover the rest of God. Because through Jesus, we have been given a way to experience this rest once again. Friends, if I were to ask each and every one of you, who would wanna go back to the Garden of Eden where you no longer had to strive after a reputation, where you no longer had to strive to be significant or to be important, where all of a sudden you could rest in knowing that you were going to be fulfilled and your identity was with God. If I would ask you that today, wouldn't all of us say yes and amen, take me back to the Garden of Eden. Friends, today that same rest that Adam and Eve were experiencing is available to you and to me today. The question is, how do we discover the rest of God? So today we're gonna be in Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4, and it's in Hebrews 4 that we're gonna discover, uh, the author is talking about the Israelites of the Old Testament and everything that they went through and how God was inviting them to this rest and yet they constantly chose to rebel against it how they constantly chose to chase after their own plan, their own purpose and identity. So in Hebrews 4, starting in verse 1, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared on my oath and my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. This is all in context of the Israelites and how they disobeyed, how they said, we, won't, we don't want the plan of God for our lives, we want our own plan. And so God's saying, fine, if you want your own plan, you will never find the rest that I have in store for you. Friends, today there's a rest for each and every one of us as God's people. But let me tell you this, just because you say you're a Christian, just because you identify as a Christian, doesn't mean that you are or have ever experienced this rest. As Christians, we still wrestle for control. We are no different than any other human that walks across this earth. We still wrestle for control, wanting to find our own purpose and make our own impact. But the fact of the matter is this, this rest, it requires faith. Now you say, yes, I have faith in God that he, he's brought me out of, of sin and I'm, one day I'll spend eternity with him. I have faith in God. No, 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 this is a different level of faith. It is a faith that not only gives God control over your salvation and your eternity, it is a faith saying, God, I trust you today and tomorrow and this week. God, I trust you in my day today. Because I think we can agree it is a different level of faith to say, God, here's my day to day versus here's just my salvation and eternity. Because back in chapter three, the author talks about, the author of Hebrew talks about the Old Testament. Those who are walking in the desert for these 40 years. Because God rescued them from slavery. God took the Israelites from the Egyptians, took them out of this slavery because the people had faith that he could do it. But even 
just because the people had faith he could rescue them from slavery did not mean that they had faith that they could con- he could control their day to day. That's why they wandered in the desert for 40 years. In the same way, we believe Christianity ends with a prayer. As long as you pray that prayer, then you're good. But friends, in just praying a prayer, you do not experience the rest of God. You see, the rest that the author is talking about is not referring to a rest of deliverance. You would think, well, yeah, they're out of slavery. Great, aren't they resting? No. There is still so much more to be experienced. So much more for the Israelites to travel through and to trust in God. It's the same way for you and for me. It goes well beyond praying a prayer. And if we go back to verse 3, now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. Again, it's a belief that goes beyond saying, I believe that God has saved me from my sins. It's a belief that recognizes that God's plans are greater than our plans. This is the beginning of what it is to discover the rest of God. Now, we, we talk about here, we talk about here the, the seventh day, how on the seventh day, God rested. But let's be honest with ourselves. God didn't rest because he was tired. We're not talking about what it is to make sure we're resting well. That's a, a different week from now. God didn't rest because he was tired. God rested because he looked around at his creation and he said, nothing more is needed for it is good. Friends, today we are invited into this same rest to say, nothing more is needed but God's plan for my life. We don't rest because there's no work to do. We rest because all of a sudden we don't need to add any more to our uh, identity, to our reputation, to our purpose. We can simply say, nothing more is needed because God's plan is good. But this word here, it says, um, now we who have believed enter. This word for enter that's being used here, it's actually used in, in the passive voice, which simply means that we don't cause ourselves to enter into it. I mean, think about it. When you sleep, when you go to sleep at night, yes, you may make all the decisions to lay down in the bed and to draw up the blankets. You may make all the decisions to turn off the lights and do X, Y, Z. You prepare yourself, but when you actually lay down and your head hits that pillow, how many of you are actually able to discern when you can flip the switch and just go to sleep? Or does sleep just kind of overtake you? Friends, it's the same way for our walk with God, our rest in God. We orient our lives. We make the cognitive decision to say God's plan is ultimate, but in the midst of that, we ourselves do nothing to actually enter into the rest. It's nothing but the grace of God that then comes over us as we allow him to change our hearts. So often though, friends, we we stay awake, we fight to stay awake because we need to have control. We're afraid that what might happen when we don't have control over certain aspects of our lives. I mean, think about it, your kids' futures, your own family, your future. How often, I mean, think about it. If I start asking questions, say, hey, would you be okay if God called you to do this? Would you be okay if if God called your kid to do this? Hey, would you be okay if all of a sudden you were asked to give up X, Y, and Z? How many of you, your anxiety starts to rise up a little bit? Because you want to maintain control over everything for your future. And God's saying, no, 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 no. 
allow me to change your heart and to allow you to experience a rest that goes beyond your own control. Even as Christians, we have experienced the saving grace of God and yet the peace of God still seems to escape us. Why is that? Why do we walk around this world full of anxiety, full of fear, full of this inner turmoil? Friends, we are called to be different. We are called to experience something greater. Why do we still not have, why do we struggle in finding the peace of God in our lives? It's because we have still, we, because we are still fighting for control over our lives. And so we continue, we're still left wondering, well, okay, then how do we discover this rest of God, this supposed rest of God? So we continue then. Let's go into Hebrews 4, 6. Therefore, since it still remains, for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David. As in the passage already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for you and for me. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Again, the, the author seems to be repeating himself we learn that there is a rest available for the people of God, for you and for me. But again, to go back to the Israelites, they did not enter the rest because of their lack of faith, because of their own disobedience. They did not want the plan of God for their lives because they feared. They feared of what might happen if they actually continued along this path that God was taking them. For all their lives, they had seen what the Egyptians could do and the the riches and the wealth of the Egyptians. And they were saying, well, maybe we should just go back to them because at least there we were provided for and we knew what was going to happen. But with God, we walk in this plan of that, that is unknown. And yet, if we choose to go into it, we discover what God truly has in store for us. We have to get over our own fears though. Because again, it says today, today is the day that we have to experience this rest. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. We cannot harden our hearts, but allow his voice to impact us. The voice of God, the words of God, The word of God is the most direct source of revelation that we have of God himself, about God himself. And the author is telling us that when God brought his people into the promised land, this is what he's referencing. He's talking about Joshua. Joshua didn't even provide rest for his people. So the Egyptians uh, or the Israelites, they have been released from slavery They wander in the desert for 40 years and now they've come to the promised land that God had ultimately promised them. And the author of Hebrews is saying, not even then, after they cross back into the Jordan and they find the land that they were promised, not even then are they experiencing the Sabbath rest of God because now we discover, now we learn that there is a greater rest than getting an entire kingdom to reign. There's a deeper rest than something that we can just physically and materially receive. There's a deeper rest than than achieving what we wanted the entire time. This is 
Sabbath rest. When we engage with his voice, when we allow his words to impact our hearts, all of a sudden when we learn about God himself because what he has told us. Because when we engage with his word, the Bible, when we study it, when we dive into it, all of a sudden we begin to to discover God's grand plan for the world. We begin to discover God's grand drama that he is directing. And when we discover more about what God is doing, we then discover his place for us. This is the beauty of rest. For so many of us, though, we walk through life trying to figure out how we can create influence, how we can create impact, how we can make sure that we are in control of every day of our lives. For some of us, it's simply being the best parents you can be. And you say, well, there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely, there's nothing wrong with that. For some of us, it's about being the best in our jobs and our vocations. And you say, well, Justin, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, absolutely, there's nothing wrong with that. But when we are so focused on the rules that are secondary to living for God, to engaging with God, when we place being a parent ahead of engaging with God, when you place your career ahead of being with God and engaging with God, then all of a sudden we lose what God is wanting to do in our lives. And all of a sudden, we become more concerned with getting our kids to soccer practice than we are engaging with God. All of a sudden, we are more concerned, hear me out, all of a sudden, we are more concerned with providing for our family. And we forget that spending time with God is the beginning to providing for our family. When we take what is secondary and make it primary, we not only lose what's primary, we lose what's secondary and everything that follows along with it. And it begins with engaging in the word of God. Friends, when we try to create our own rules, when we try our hardest to be the best parents we can be, to provide for our families the best way we know how, we miss out on how God wants to use us to restore his creation back to himself. This rest, the rest of God, we discover it when we decide God have control. Rest is discovered when we, like God, look around and say, Nothing more is needed. When we are able to look to God and say, not my will, but yours be done. Friends, it's in that moment that we can begin to understand and discover the rest of God for our lives. But how many of us are able to say that today? I mean, truly say that today and tomorrow and the day after. Not my will, but yours be done. And so let us continue as we go into Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4 verse 11. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Friends, today, going back to verse 11. Let us make every effort to enter this rest. Friends, it is your decision. 
It is my decision to relinquish control, to place ourselves in the vulnerable position of resting in God. And we have the opportunity to trust that God will actually protect us in the midst of this rest. To trust that we're not going to wake up with marker and pen or pudding all over our face and hair. We have this opportunity to look beyond our flesh, to conquer this fear, and to say, God, today I will sleep in the warmth of your embrace and trust that you know what you're doing. We have this decision. The effort is for us. When we dive into his story, when we dive into what he is doing to bring creation back to himself, when we dive into seeing how he has orchestrated everything so that you and I might have the opportunity, the availability to experience what he has for us. That is our decision to dive right here, to understand that it begins here to provide for our families to experience the freedom, to experience his rest. Friends, we are told right here, the word is active and it's piercing. And if prayer is the thing that allows God to tune our hearts to hear him best, then it's engaging with the word that begins to chisel at who we are, to chisel at our flesh, to chisel away the bitterness, to chisel away the control, to chisel away the selfishness and the self-centeredness. Friends, today, it is only when we engage in the word It is only when we come to the most objective source of truth. It is only when we come to God's grand plan that we can then say we have a decision that is God-centered. So many of us, we say, yes, God is calling me to do this. Or yes, this is a God-centered decision. Or yes, I am making decision because I believe God is doing this. But unless you're engaging in the word, you cannot possibly be saying any of that. Because unless you get to know God, how can you possibly say that you're making a decision on behalf of God? So many of us, we want to live united. We want to live um, with one another in peace. But friends, today, unless we're allowing the active, piercing sword of the word to chisel away and to cut away at our bitterness and our self-centeredness, how can we possibly live united with anybody else? This is truly the only source by which we are all united. Yes, we have different opinions. Yes, we have different um, preferences. Yes, we believe things should be done differently all across the board. But ultimately, when we come to here, we can know that God is revealing himself to us, working inside of our lives, chiseling away at the parts that separate us from him and from every other Christian around us. It is only when we are actively engaging with the word that we can say that we are going to be united with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Friends, in Ephesians 2.10, we are told that God has created works for us. We don't have to create our own works. We don't have to create our own significance. We don't have to create our own influence. When we become a Christian and say, God, I want to enter into your rest, we then begin to experience what Adam and Eve were experiencing in the Garden of Eden. And no longer is it about you fighting to be the top dog at your work. No longer is it for you to be the best parent in the world, taking your kids to every single sporting event and every academic affair. All of a sudden it's saying, God, you have control and I will rest in that. But you can't possibly, I can't possibly be making a God-centered decision for my future 
Or you can't make a decision for your family's future if you're not learning who God is because unless you're learning about who God is, you don't actually know who you are. Because you can't understand what God has created you for if you don't even know why God was creating to begin with. And it begins with actively engaging in the word. You might say, Justin, it's confusing. Justin, I don't understand. Justin, where do I even begin? Friends, <laughs> think, about, think about entering into a relationship with somebody. <laughs> that first date, maybe. You don't know a thing about that person. Does that keep you from actually engaging in conversation on that first date? Or a friendship that you think, wow, that, that guy would be cool to meet, but I know nothing about him. Does that keep you from actually getting to know that person down the, down the street? Of course not. So why would confusion, why would us not being able to fully understand, why would that keep you from actually diving in and learning and getting to know and understand? Friends, that's just a cheap excuse to not go deeper, to not persevere. Because the fact of the matter is, as we discussed last week, when it comes to the things of God, it is well beyond the shallowness. He is calling us to deeper and greater things, but these deeper and greater things require us to persevere and have courage. The world can be satisfied with the low-hanging fruit. God is calling us deeper and higher to experience more of him. Friends, today it's only the word that separates soul from spirit. It's only the word that can truly dive into our innermost being as it separates our desires, our selfish wants, from the things of God, from trusting that God is in control. Friends, today, the spiritual discipline of studying God's word is the discipline of letting go of our own control and finding our place in his story. I can't let God have control of my future and security and desires unless I know who God is and what he is doing. If you are here today and you say that you trust God, but you're not engaging in his word, then how can you possibly trust God? To say that I trust God and not be in active participation with him is like me saying I trust Joe down the road, but I've never actually spoken with him. I've just heard a little bit about him. Friends, today God is calling us to trust him in a whole new way, much more than what the world would say when they offer a cheap prayer up saying, God, change this. He is saying, I will give you rest if you give me control. I will give you rest if you allow me to determine your identity and your purpose. Again, this isn't rest. This isn't the rest saying, hey, um, I'm gonna learn what it is to slow down. This is rest and being able to say, nothing more is needed as I begin and continue in this relationship with God. God's rest is not about doing nothing. God's rest is about doing everything to find significance in God. God did not stop on the Sabbath because he was tired. He simply said, it is good. This is how we discover the rest of God. And I'm gonna ask the worship band to come up because we're gonna be taking communion today. And we're gonna be taking communion and as we do this, it's going to be, yes, it's a time of mourning because we realize that there's nothing we can do. Our sin has separated us permanently 
from God. And yet God has made a way for us to experience him, to experience that garden of Eden rest. As we dwell with him, as we find our purpose and our identities with him. We read the word of God not for simply information to fill our egos saying, yes, I know everything there is. We read the word of God to learn where we fit into God's story of redemption. We, learn, we read the word of God to bring us to a point in time and saying nothing more is needed. We read the word of God so that we can find, as the old song goes, our place in the history of grace. We read the word of God so that it chisels away at us. Friends, this is the purpose. This is how we discover the rest of God. Last week we talked about prayer and what it is to be an active relationship with him. Friends, today it is it's not a fun process to be chiseled away at, but it's a good process. It's a process by which we then learn, God, how will you use me How will you move in me? How will you work through my life and your plan of redemption? Friends, there is nothing greater. There is nothing greater to be able to say to your family, we are here for God because of who God is, what he is doing. There's nothing greater. Friends, you might be distracted by everything else in your life. You might have a million things to do on your check, on your to-do list. But friends, if we have missed this, then we've missed everything. We've missed everything. Because you can't possibly live in this world with any sense of purpose if you don't know why God or what the purpose God has given you to be. And it's good. It's good. It's painful. It can be painful, but it's good. And so today, we're going to enter into a short time of worship. And during that worship, I would invite you. We're, we're moving on past the, the prefab things here. <laughs> and I would invite you to, to come. And there's, there's bread and there's, and there's juice. And during this time of worship, don't, don't take it here. Come to the table, gather the elements, and walk back to your chair. And we're going to take this together. We're going to take communion together as a body, as we remember, as we know, as we challenge each other. Yes, uh, we can't do it on our own because sin has separated us, but we come now to celebrate that God is moving, that God is good, and that God is in control. And he's inviting us into a deeper rest. So stand and I'll pray and I invite you. God, we love you and we praise you. Would you be in this time of worship? Would you prod at our hearts to pursue you with everything so that we can experience what it is to rest in you? God, during this time, God, during this time, would you chisel away at our hearts? Through your word, would you convict us to spend time with you, to put you at first place and not second? God, 
We give you everything for yours is the kingdom and yours is the power and yours is the glory. Remove us from striving on our own, but to rest in you. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Come and gather the elements. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. With thanksgiving, I'll be a forgiven my future is heaven and I praise God for what he's done sing for the freedom he has won even death is dead and death his life is over Friends, communion is a time that should not be taken lightly. We're told in scripture that there is a wrong way to take communion. And friends, today, right now, if you're saying, look, Justin, I, I don't know Christ as my savior. I don't know Christ as my, as my Lord. I would invite you, you don't need to partake in this. And it's very serious. You may have gathered the elements, but I'm, I'm going to encourage you, don't partake in this right now because this is a very sacred moment in the life of the church but friends today if if you do know Christ as your savior if you do know Christ as your lord friends today there is a rest 
that you are invited to. And so when we take communion, it is us declaring, God, work in my life. Allow me to experience this rest. And just as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take the bread. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Take and drink. Father, once again, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your rest. We thank you for what you are calling us to. God, give us the perseverance and the courage to continue to live into what you have for us. A faith that takes us faith. A faith that takes us day to day to day. Not just waiting for eternity, but that we live out now. We thank you. We praise you. Amen. Let us continue to worship this morning. Now on the throne the Father's will complete. He reigns in victory. Friends, don't forget, it's a rest that you can't force yourself into, but it's a force that if you allow him, God will bring you into it. And just as we will do every week for the next couple of months, we close with this benediction. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Experience the rest of God. Have a blessed week. See you next Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.